This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. So let's see, we are... It's about midday. And just getting up for a walk. Before I forget my idea for a topic, after much sort of wandering through some ideas, was narrative transportation theory. Pretty pretty sure that's what it was. And that's from psychology. And the basic idea is that people involved in stories, the the readers, that they are affected by what they read, that there's an actual change of before and after and so that it, it, it makes sense because I've read things that have sort of jolted me or shocked me and vice versa uh, I've read things that have kind of bored me or didn't I didn't connect with and that's a big question is sort of how do you do something so that it connects with people. Make a connection. (laughs) Which is a a kind of terrible, frightening critique I got once, or piece of advice, right, to to connect. To build that bridge. So this uh, narrative transportation theory It's sort of it's sort of pros and cons that I I I had been feeling that oh you know there's a there's a potential within story and I've noticed that as well that you know people will get they'll write stuff they'll have this agenda uh, and then for some other people it is it's sort of this mis- mishmash of you know well I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, I'm going to write this, and that say there's personal elements to it, the motivation for doing it, and then there's uh, a sense of community, especially say in what I see with Twitter, there's these sort of these groups that form, uh, especially say within genres or within age groups of writers. And so there's this social aspect where there's this encouragement going on. And, and too, then there's the... Uh, it's interesting because you know when you're inside it, you don't view it as political, but everything is political, right? It's not just you know one TV show that you don't like. It's it's just you like the politics that you like, and um, and then at the same time there's there's subjects that we could sort of we can all agree on. It's interesting too that sort of say we'll sacrifice subjects in order to um, you know so that our side is winning. And just just the weird sort of, this weird part of politics where in order to have a democracy we have to have this binary. Uh, We have constantly have to be moving back and forth between these two sides. So that, you know, there's less, there's less chance of us living in uh, a situation that we don't like. Which is so interesting. You know, that in a big way, we are, uh, is that true? I think, I think it's always about, you know, sort of, we're always pulling, and of course it's the majority. The majority is also always pulling us in a certain direction. Okay, back to the the degree that 
narrative transportation is successful successful that it actually affects the reader i think that there's limitations so that you know yes when we get involved in the story we're transported uh reading in this theory is equated with a journey right so we go on this journey um which ties really nicely to Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. <clears throat> and that, you know, there's, it's very much about that kind of knee jerk when you're watching a show, right? So there's some kind of action, a jumping occurs or sort of jumping out of the way and then we twitch and we move as though we're jumping out of the way. And I'm just, I'm wondering how effective, like say you could, you could create a, a manifesto in the form of a work of fiction. You know, and the whole intention is to sort of change people and shape them the way you want. I'm thinking back to, what is it called? Spencer's Fairy Queen. And there's this little comment at the beginning of the Fairy Queen that's talking about uh, the purpose of the work. That is, it is to, sh- to shape, I think it's it says to shape a gentleman. So this is being written 500 years ago and <clears throat> the fairy queen is one book. There's supposed to be 12 books, but the writer author died. So we, we got six books. It's poetry, but there is a story and it does affect to one degree or another. It's not written, um, it is readable, but it's, it's definitely from another age. And, uh, it's not going to resonate with everybody culturally, right? You might sort of, you might have a different ideology, et cetera, et cetera. And I think those things come into play where it's sort of, you know, resisting, you know, that you're not going to get sucked in. I'm remembering now the, the little, little red book and say, how much more effective would the little red book? I, I can't remember if it's, you know, Maoist or it's communist for sure, but I'm not sure sort of what stream it's coming from. But uh, there, are, there are always these books, and how much more effective would they be if they were actually stories? And stories told well. There is a narrative that is going on within this kind of manifestos, where we have a theme, right? We have a, an argument that's going on. And it might be incredibly biased, but there is a narrative. And say part of the narrative is to be saying, to sort of, to, to create sort of situations and settings, you know, that this, you know, here's the other, here's the big other, the, the big bad other that's going to blow down your house, you know, and uh, <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood, you know, the big bad other is going to, you know, eat your grandmother and... 
turn you into a werewolf, something like that. <clears throat> okay, so, uh, do I have that kind of in mind? I think I think I have it kind of in mind because I I've I was writing uh, to oppose bureaucracy. That was one thing that I was in opposition of. And two, I don't think I can kind of I can quite get away from uh, critique and say somebody's saying, you know, you're being too political. I was going for big issues when I was working with an agent the agent kept pulling me back from these really big issues which were uh, war and war and violence and a couple of other things where uh, weird moments like where we'd actually see this war going on and this was a bit too much And, and I was thinking about Canada's involvement in Syria, but sort of before and after. That it, it seems like we're in, in this endless war, you know, but we're also not. So I'm walking down the street in, on this spring day as dandelions, yellow lions that are dandy, are popping up. And... Yeah, so I don't, I don't see a war, but I know that there's this war being fought in Syria. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I remember just about the time I stopped reading the news that there was this weird celebration that Canada had made like say a Canadian soldier um, who was apparently fighting in the U you know and two I don't know is like you know the UN is it NAFTA what uh, <laughs> what 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 group What's the association? And that we had... And two, I can say, it's like we, you know, I'm part of this. Uh, had made, you know, the longest rifle, you know, sniper shot in the world. A sharpshooter had uh, killed another person. And this was in the news... And it was re I was really conflicted. I sort of, you know, well, so someone has murdered someone else in a conflict. And the conflict, too, you know, what's it, what's it really about? Like, say, I, and too, I could have gone on and on and spent a long time looking into it and sort of, you know, well, why? <clears throat> but for me... Uh, so that's part of why I, I was writing what I was writing and that really questioning it's like, you know, is this how we're going to spend the last hundred years? <laughs> we're just going to keep doing this stuff and, you know, I, I want to get off the planet, I want to go to the moon and Mars I want that to be the legacy and you know, is there a way to stop uh you know, the mass extinction that is just around the corner. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh, that's uh, critiquing the critiquing the situation because as I walk down the street, you know, I'm I'm looking for. I'm looking for the electric car. Where's the electric car? Uh, there is, there is a hybrid, at least one, so electric and gas car. 
um, you know, where's the biodiesel car, you know, and yes, I know it's pumping out the CO2. Uh, so, yeah, so the politics. And, you know, I, I think the politics that I'm writing is is the correct one. But it is a good idea to show both sides of the equation. So, you know, we're just, we're not uh, harping on and on about one thing. You know, one way is the right way. You know, but instead looking at alternatives. Uh, that aside, the politics aside, one's own politics, it gets into the, uh, into the story, uh, telling the story, and telling it well, you know, making the connection, um, getting close to the suspension of disbelief where we cease to you know be where we are instead we're transported to this other place there's a big responsibility and two there's a weird thought it's like how much do artists including you know say people who are constructing thoughts people who are telling stories in one medium or another you know to what degree is the responsibility theirs are are all storytellers going to get on side and you know tell a specific story for example what oh cautionary tales you know, there's uh, stories, there have been stories for a, a long while about uh, post-apocalyptic. It's so interesting that we use that term. <clears throat> because of the connotations, right, the religious connotations. In, in, instead of saying uh, environmental catastrophe or something something like that but there seems to be a, a lot of those it would be interesting to have say people who are say science fiction that is tackling the subject of uh, global warming global warming, mass extinction and it is there uh, but <laughs> I just sort of feel like, you know, it's like, well, you know, we're kind of cutting it close here. I'm, I'm sure that when things really get toasty, then, you know, of course, all the movies we're going to be seeing are going to be about, you know, carbon scrubbers. You know, do you have a carbon scrubber? You know, every, every household should have, you know, a carbon scrubber. And... <clears throat> this huge switch over this last minute attempt to, you know, correct things and, uh, or will we, or, you know, are we going to just sort of keep, you know, keep sort of keep sucking the oil and, uh, belching the, uh, the exhaust at, well, while at the same time we have a carbon scrubber and you know that that sort of the terrible uh, equation of well, say, you know, how many carbon scrubbers do we need, and what if we have too many carbon scrubbers and we push ourselves into an ice age? So actually, sort of figure out the <clears throat> the balance to create this balance, <clears throat> and you know, at least to get us in this kind of Goldilocks zone, you know, back there. And too, I'd like to, I'd like to think that people are 
up to the task. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. So this narrative transportation site theory from psychology. <clears throat> Uh, could it be said that the stories that so captivate us uh, reinforce where we're at? That you know, just as many peaceful books exist as just as many uh, war books. That for some reason or another, you know, we promote. Uh, violence, war, poverty, suffering, and sort of, you know, idolizing. It's like, oh yeah, fame, fortune, power. I'm just thinking of, say, one narrative that I'm, I'm sort of entrenched in. And that's the superhero narrative. And there's a there's a lot of um, it's physical. There's uh, there's fighting, violence. Um, realistically, people you know more people are going to be dying than in the comic books. <clears throat> and where am I going with this? I'm th I'm thinking about the the revenge fantasy where that it's a good thing to get your payback, and then it's a good thing to um, beat up or kill this uh, villain. You know that that's that's the way to solve the problem. That's not entirely true. Uh, a lot of the times we have, you know, the villain gets put into this prison, and <laughs> now I'm backpedaling, or you know, just getting into the other side of it. Sometimes there's uh, super prisons, super cell blocks that are specially built to uh, keep keep these these people. And a, a, another side of it is uh, Arkham Asylum. So it's a it's a mental institution. And Batman seems to have drifted off into that territory that the Joker was just put in, into jail. And then eventually it turned towards um, the Joker is mentally ill. And we don't, we don't continue down that avenue, or at least say... I'm not, I'm not part of that narrative. I haven't received the narrative where we're confronting, you know, the cause of, of the Joker's mental illness. And it's just sort of pushed aside. In a way, I don't think we can go there. And I think it has to... Um, say, the narrative I'm picking up is, is the Titans TV show. The Teen Titans... And it's gritty. Is it noir? It's gritty. But it has... Batman has gone too far. You know, and... Or say he's on the brink. And Robin has decided to get out of it. Because it's... Because he's becoming... Um, violent. 
right? So it's, it, it, I think it's almost like, say, an addiction that you know, sort of have to get out of it and uh, reinvent yourself. <laughs> I swear I didn't plan to get so, what is it called, you know, I want something like morally, you know, sort of standing up and going, ah, you know, I don't know about these stories and what they're telling us and, uh, you know, what the agenda is. That's the thing, I have this gut feeling about the agenda. And so let's go for the flip side. I was just talking to uh, a local author, T.G. Shepard. I, I want to get going on uh, creating panels. Uh, so, you know, starting ahead of time and get people thinking about like, what, what panels like they'd like to do or be on. So I was talking with T.G. Shepard about, you know, Captain America and these different phases. She's very now, uh, she, you know, she's very, um, I would say, I would say she's much more of a fan. And for me, I have this nostalgia, um, I have this interest in the transformation of uh, the war superhero uh, and and then this tragedy happens and yet the character is sort of reborn, awakens and is um, Mm. For example, one of the one of the moments for Captain America, uh, there's this notion of say being an upstanding person, um, being a, a you know good citizen, and he's around Watergate, and he gets very sort of fed up and throws away his uniform. He's gonna, he's not going to be Captain America anymore. And we kind of have that, actually. You know, the current incarnation of Captain America has grown a beard, and, you know, the colors have been put aside. Sort of slightly suggestive, kind of bringing us back to that that time period. And uh, a critique, a very subtle critique. But also an, an important one. Um, you know, say, if we're considering mass extinction. And what did I say a long time ago? I said, if if I'm wrong, say, if I'm talking with someone who's, you know, you know, there's no problem with oil, there's no problem, there's no global warming, you know, it's not, it's not going to happen until it happens, and it's not happening right now. <clears throat> it's cold in winter, all that. And then my, my final argument is, if I'm wrong, there's no problem. But if you're wrong, it's game over. You know, so, so that's where it's at and for me. And the question is, you know, are you willing to take that chance? Why not you know, play it safe? Why not, uh, you know err on the side of caution, right? Why not do your research, make sure, like 100% sure. So that's, that's where it all sort of boils down for me. That's uh, that, that, that final statement. <laughs> if I'm wrong, there's no problem. Maybe that could be my slogan, right? My, I could wear that on my t-shirt or something. <clears throat> my catchphrase. <laughs> <clears throat> so, 
if narrative transportation theory is correct, and if it's absolute, you know, the amount of influence that is possible, then I want to go and, and suggest that I'm, I'm actually holding Spider Robbins, uh, Spider Robinson's uh, telepath, which was written. Ooh, was this 1976? Yes, it's 1976, and it is. I believe this is his first novel, and that he. But he'd been writing stuff before this, um, short stories, maybe novelettes. That's something to ask him. And it's set in the future, after a. Really, it's a pandemic. And very creative. I gotta say that. It's very. Uh, usually, we get the kind of, you know, zombie esque pandemic, or it's a pandemic that just kills people. You know, where this one's this one's more elaborate. And um, what else can I say? The protagonist is African American, right? And. Not a big thing is made out of it. It's just like, boom, this is how it is. <clears throat> Anything else I can say? <clears throat> we'll say, uh, you know, considering you know, the narrative transportation theory and looking at telepath and going, okay, well, you know, we're where is this taking us? The where and the why. And there's a there's a story, there's an adventure about this main character. Let's see if I can reach in there and get the name. Uh, Isham Stone. And so Isham Stone, we start, we're in the ruins of New York. It's Isham's story, but as the reader, we're looking at we're looking at this. We're being transported. We're having we're going along for the journey. And what what kind of influences, like say. <clears throat> You know, in, in what ways does this does this influence me? Does do I sort of feel the <laughs> the necessity to go out and arm myself because that's a a part of this, or do I feel the necessity to invent something new uh, to adjust to this situation? I can't argue that we're already doing that. Like, say, on a daily basis, we are inventing, using technology. I'm doing this dictation podcast daily journal thing. So, say, telepath. What, you know, what does it have the potential of doing? Well, right away, it's it's warning of a the things you know things can go bad, things will go bad, and people will survive. People, you know, life finds a way in one way or another. It's interesting too that say the survivors don't become these. I want to say bodhisattvas, right? They they don't have this kind of, you know, awakening and then they re, uh, return from, you know, eternal nirvana, you know, just... There's these great moments of... Um, in the story, I'm just remembering one where they, medit they meditate and get really calm and they're doing some alms and... Uh, I think the description was Zazen posture for sitting. 
maybe, maybe it's kind of like the butterfly effect, where you read something, and it's this really subtle influence, like just, you know, a, a gentle push of thought, rather than this uh, overwhelming tsunami, right, that's just crashing down on you. Tsunami or tidal wave. You know, the one where it's a wall and it just falls on you and you're gone. I think, to, I think it, it's, it's more than that too, that it has to do with your life, like where you're at, you know, your current environment. You know, if, if say, you're reading it and there's something going on and, and the book is kind of moving you in a certain direction... I'm just thinking of the, the power of uh, Frodo and Sam in, uh, in the nightmare of Mordor. And, you know, they've brought uh, some hope with them that is, is going get to them, get them through, you know, this uh, crisis. You know, it's the, the end of the second act <clears throat> and so yeah so reading Spider Robinson's telepath you know is that going to <laughs> do I is it how's it changing me uh, one of my motives for reading it is that I don't know much about his work and it's a weird thing to say that you like say why is it that you have read what you've read like what was the situation was it just sort of was it on the bookshelf your parents bookshelf was it lent to you did you just happen to see it was it on a list top 10 books to read before you die it's like well <laughs> I haven't read War and Peace so I better get on that Spider Robinson. Uh, so he's local, and he's he's at uh, VCon, Vancouver Convention, uh, sometimes. And and two, he was there uh, last year, and I was doing panels, and I was I was sort of in shock. I was wandering from panel to panel and just sort of, you know, uh, you know, talking and, you know, okay, you know, no one's crucifying me, so, you know, everything's okay. <laughs> now I'm thinking of, you know, science conviction crucifixions, right? You know, the nail him up, nail him up, right? Just... <laughs> they they need a new martyr. But no. Uh and uh he he was at an event, uh Eileen Kernahan. She she told me that uh we sort of crossed each other in pa in the path in the hallway, right? And she said, you know, oh he's gonna be at this event and and I was over at a at another event and yeah. <laughs> so I, I was I was like going, you know, okay, come on, let's let's do some research, let's make this happen. And and two, I might never I might never see this guy. Like he you know, this might be the last VCon or you know, sort of you don't manage to meet this person. Another part of it is I wanted to go back to first book and I wanted to check out you know what his first book and it really it's helpful for me because uh, you know it's it's every I don't want to say it's a lot I want at least three to four uh, spelling errors and the first one I was just like oh thank goodness because I had I had problems with mine and then uh, and then there were other spelling 
moments. And I was just like going, wow, okay, so this happens. You know, and, you know, Spider Robinson has a career. You know, it, you know this didn't, this wasn't the nail in the coffin. And um, some people freak out about it, but the story is just, it's so engrossing. And, like, say, considering the narrative transportation, it's working. You know, I have moments where I'm, I'm there. And two different levels of effect. Uh, Spider Robinson is known for Callahan. And, you know, I... <laughs> I, I, so I'm just so on the fringe, and it's such a weird thing, because I've read so much, you know. But uh, I, and I'm not sure why why it's now that I'm picking up this book. Um, but I'm glad I I'm glad I did. <clears throat> is it is it going to change me? Uh, the one thing that it's giving me is the is the potential to talk about it. Right to sort of, you know, crossing paths with him, or say having a conversation with somebody else, I feel like I'm in a much better um, situation. I'm I'm drafting spotlight articles for the convention for VCon to uh, sort of say to promote to talk about the history and to sort of cross pollinate. Uh, you know, a podcast is happening, a VCon podcast, and then there's a blog, there's social media, and so I, yeah, I feel much more comfortable with uh, doing a spotlight about him, and yeah, and to you know, to to be able to sort of pluck out a question about about telepath. But has it has it changed me? Um, I, I think I think that going for there, it you'd have to go into the. There is reference to the counterculture. There is reference to. Uh, There is a the you know back to, back to the Earth movement is referenced. <clears throat> the contrast of that with, well, what does technology give us? And is there such a thing as clean technology? Um, there's great twists in this. There's super intense twists. That's one thing I like about this book is I've been reading along and it's like what. You can't, what? <laughs> uh, in a good way. And that's an education for me because I'm looking at it and going, you know, wow, this is, this is one way to tell a story. You know, this narrative where there's this jarring um, activity. Again, does that does that change me? Stylistically, it's getting me thinking. I'm going, you know, oh, I've got to remember this. <clears throat> but as a reader, um, considering the story, I, I think it's the, coming back to theme, coming back to the argument, and does it does it make an argument? that's going to shift me in one direction or the other. I'd like to say that the best, the best themes, <clears throat> not the themes themselves, but say the argument that's going on, and that if it is sincere, and if it is, you know, it's not a hammer, you know, constantly sort of hitting the, the, uh, the reader's head and uh, saying something like, you know, you suck, you're doing it the wrong way, you should do it this way. That's 
completely a big turn off, ineffective. Versus, you know, let's let's take a look at the different ways. You know, let's take a look at this way. You know, let's take a look at that way. And how about another third third way as we explore the theme? It makes it difficult sitting down and doing this. I think, though, that if you do have an agenda, as I do, that it makes it, makes it a great tool to consider rather than just, you know, theme. You don't care about it or think about it. But instead, you're considering it. And not being cheap, you know, not just, it's a hammer. I, you know, I have a message. It's like, no, no. So I'm just thinking about, is it, is it complexity? Oh, it's a cute little sports car full of gas. I wonder where they're going. Uh, Let's see, let's see. (laughs) <laughs> and two, I'm a hypocrite. You know, I, I, I use the, uh, I use the machine. I'm still, I'm still stuck on whether this book, you know, is, is, is sort of changing me, <laughs> subtly or otherwise. If I, I'll sort of be on the other side of the book and. You know, I'll have this, you know, huge awakening. I expect more plot twists. That's been established. I'm, I'm a fan of Spider Robinson's plot twists. No waiting for the end, right? <laughs> You're going to be driving along in your little sports car and boom! <laughs> Mass extinction. Okay, so... So the theme. So, my I, I think I'm ending up at my argument now. Maybe a synthesis is that narrative transportation is only effective, and by effective that there is an agenda. It's considering multiple sides, so it's not a message. Instead, it's an argument. It's it's well, you know, it's well planned, it's well designed, it's sincere in showing different sides, you know, so, um, and now I'm back to telepath. Now, the, the one thing that this book does is that it does show all of these different paths, paths uh, different sides, um, enemies become friends. Enemies, but but enemies are still threatening. They're still a threat. Uh, there's a question of truth and the reality of, I want to say, function. But say you know you grow up within inside one paradigm, and then you find out that it might be wrong, and then you just you're 100% sure that you've been lied to. And that this is a huge upset. And, uh, you know, how do you cope with this? How do you live with this? You know, live within the lie. And, and just that, say, there are reasons. The, the villain has these very, you know, elaborate, you know, they have their morality, right? They have... Uh, what's important to them. And it's, that's one interesting thing about telepath is that we get to see these different moments of, it might be, say, propaganda, right? Uh, you know, well, our propaganda is the good propaganda, you know, and 
you know, those are our enemies, and we're doing the right thing. You want to be a good person, so you're going to be like us. And it might work for a while, but just naturally um, that starts to break down. And I think that's the problem with a lot of political manifestos, is you start to see the, the problems, the gaping potholes, the, um, the difficulty of, of just sort of, you know, a single-minded ideology that is not considering, you know, the multifaceted complexity that we are. So, so that's interesting. I've ended up back at theme. My, uh, I grabbed the book because I thought I'd uh, end up at a park bench or the library, and I'd I'd uh, destroy a couple more chapters. Alright, so we're on the way back. It's got a little bit overcast, so the light has become, I want to say diffuse. It's, it's not clear and bright, it's sort of scattered, um, but it's not totally overcast. I did a full-on return to uh, the second book, Mool's second book, and that uh, is challenging to sort of get back into the story and stay there. And I had I had made a list though of all of the suggestions I had. And one of them was having a family figure who, who now is Aunt Jane. And I, I like it because of... Uh, is it Miss Marple? I think it's Miss Marple from Agatha Christie. and uh, She had nieces and nephews who would call her Aunt Jane... She was sort of like the, the super, their superhero, right? Driving her around and as she solves crime uh, mysteries. Uh, so. And actually, Telempath has some aunts and uncles, kind of adopted aunts and uncles, these uh, scientists who are helping to rebuild the world, or rather to keep, keep civilization going in the face of disaster. And it was, it was great because there's this sort of two-sided quality to their nature, kind of like, you know, we are you're our friend, you know, if you're on our side, you know, but if you're not, you're our enemy. There's more to it than that, but I'm just thinking of, you know, aunts and uncles. I'm not making it a big issue about skin color. Um, I think I'm just sort of putting it there and I'm not... I'm not sort of shoehorning it, as uh, another writer put it. And too, when I did the first book, uh, Skin Color, I didn't, I didn't make it a big issue. And why? And too, I didn't think about it, but now I'm, I'm sort of... 
I, th I think it's that I'm kind of considering it in a in a background kind of way, say when I'm talking about language and culture, you know, that that's, that's where I think the theme is. <clears throat> I did know, though, that I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm writing about my city. Uh, writing about my city, but I'm also writing about, you know, the, um, the city, the zeitgeist, uh, the the way that we treat each other. I'm writing about that, um, and it, it's so easy to pull a theme out. You know, there, you know, the reasons to be um, a good person. You know, versus um, treating other people with disrespect and. And, and and it's a it's an examination there, so it'd be so easy to sort of just pick up the hammer and smash people with that, but you know that's not gonna that's gonna make enemies. It's not gonna change anybody's mind, and it's sort of preaching to the converted. But also, it's important to stand up against, and, and uh, sometimes soft soft glove is not appropriate, and you know it's better to just take a stand and say nope. But even that is something to think about. So you know, okay, how can you do that in such a way? that it's, you know, that you're showing the ethos. you got the ethos of pathos, the logos, rather than, you know, rage and screaming. <laughs> narrative. What, okay, narrative, transportation, psychology, uh, theory. And... The change that's happened is I would read another book, right? That's, for me, that's the change. You know, if I have any doubt, hey, it's Cerebus. Uh, yeah, if I had any doubt, you know, that's vanished. And, you know, I'm going to read the next book. So, you know, are we speaking about, instead of changes, is it more that about sort of creating an audience? You know, is that, is that what's going on? Okay, so we have reached the mothership uh, in, in this last minute or so. Um, yeah, so I do. I recommend Telempath. And I recommend considering doing a draft that is just theme. And that it's, if you're serious about, you know, making changes uh, in the reader, you know, inviting them to change, then it's worth it to set aside the message and instead to explore the theme, have characters talking about it, have it shown, right? Where we can see behavior, different, different types of behavior that exemplify and give us examples, you know, um, visual examples, having the main character react to these uh, situations and these settings. You know that's that's what's that's what's going to actually uh, affect change, right? That's what's actually going to um, make things happen. I think the problem is that when you get into the argument, that you yourself might find yourself changing, right? That you will sort of start sort of moving sort of more towards one side than the other. Um, and two, there's, there's dangers with that. I would like to think, though, if you're 
forcing yourself to examine multiple sides that you'll have a much you, there will be less of a bias and that just tonally it's going to be inviting and there's going to be a conversation rather than a what's it called when you brainwash someone or an attempt to brainwash someone ah <laughs> uh, cuz those those stories are no fun you know those it's um like i said it's like a, a hammer uh, or and like we let's go for it a hammer and a sickle right uh you know it's or or the other extreme end or whatever ideology religion and you sort of just you know end up going you know ah I, I don't know about this it's not it's not considering other people you know it seems very one-sided and you know a bit nasty um okay thank you for listening and keep up the great work